The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So today, by God's grace, we are in part, part what? Part three of our um, study and teaching in, in bold steps. In part one, we laid a foundation for the series. In part two, which was last week, we looked at bold steps in relationships. And we, and we explained that for us to take our relationships to the next level, we need to take bold steps in our relationships. And bold steps in our relationships is as simple as A, B, C. And we said, A, we have to... We have to ask. B, we have to believe. And C, we have to, we have to confront. So when we um, ask, when we believe, when we confront, we can actually um, take our relationships to the next level. And that applies to our relationship with God also. We need to ask. We need to believe. We need to confront. Yes, confront God on issues. It says, come, let us reason together. Let's have a confrontation. Let's have a face-to-face, it said. So, we are building on that, and today, we are looking at bold steps towards God. Bold steps towards God. And it requires both steps, if you think about it. God is a spirit. God is not man. It doesn't eat like men, think like men, dwell with houses made by men. God is a spirit. is an eternal spirit. So to come towards him, to come towards a God that created the heavens and the earth, to come towards a God that is the consuming fire, to come towards a God that can snap his finger, as it were, and the whole world can turn into dust, requires boldness. Praise the Lord. So, we are looking at bold steps towards God. And, and someone said um, some time ago, Pastor, I mean, if I talk to God, I say, okay, if you talk to God, what if God talks back? I said, but that's the whole idea. When you talk to God, God should talk back. The person says, no, I don't want God to talk back. That is too much. That's too much for me. So, I just want to talk to God. Let him do what I tell him to do. You know, which is why... This is where Christianity is different from every other religion. Because in every other religion, there's, there's not a God that talks back. You know, there's, not, there's no God that wants to have a relationship with you. There's a master-slave relationship. And all you need to do is just obey. And, but you can make your request, petition known. And, you know, and if he chooses, he can answer. But with Christianity, is different. The veil between the inner place and the holy of holies was torn when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. So we have access to the most high God. And he wants to talk back to us. Isn't that beautiful? Praise the name of the Lord. He, he wants us to come boldly so that he can talk to us like a father to a son. You know, a good father to a son. So we'll, we'll take our text from James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 says, draw near to God and it will what? It will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So the closer you are to God, or rather than put it this way, you are as close to God as you want to be. Draw near unto God, and he will draw near unto you. So, you are as close to God as you really want to be. In fact, the, the mind, or what comes to your mind when you think about God is so important that someone said, once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about it. What comes to your mind when you think about God? That is the most important thing about you. Do you see someone that is angry and, and just want to get you back? 
Or do you see someone that is insatiable? Do you see someone, or you're not even sure if God is there? You know, that actually defines us. But God is challenging you and I this morning. You put up that scripture again. He says, draw near to God. So you can take bold steps towards God. God is not what we make him out to be. We are who God makes us out to be. God is not the uh, figment of our imagination or the work of our hands. We are the works of his hands. And he's saying, draw near to me. When you come close to me, I will come close to you. And we see from that scripture, it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. So sin is a, is a challenge in drawing near to God. And we, we also see that it says, purify your heart, you double-mindedness. So double-mindedness is an issue when it comes to God, when you want to come to God. So when you, when you take out the issue of sin and take out double-mindedness, boom, you are on your way to intimacy with God. So what does that mean? For you to take both steps towards God, There has to be righteousness. There has to be righteousness. There has to be righteousness. Number two, there has to be what? Single-mindedness. There has to be single-mindedness. Single-mindedness. Those two things have to be in place. So we take righteousness, for instance, for starters. Righteousness. There has to be righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is, someone says, I mean, and and it's true, being in right standing with God. That is, when you come into the presence of God, there is no animosity, no issues between you and God. A son can be in right standing with his father. So when you come into your father's presence, if there's an issue, you're not in right standing. Same thing with God. When you come into God's presence, when there's, when there's no issue, you are in right standing. So how do we attain a place where there is no issues between us and God? How do we actually become righteous? Is it by obeying 50 rules? Is it by praying 17 times a day? How do we become righteous? How do we become righteous? Is it by the do's and the don'ts that no one can actually really fulfill? In fact, the word of God says that the, the, the best of our righteousness is like filthy rats before God. The best of our righteousness. When man has done his best and he stands before the holiness of God, that best becomes actually looks like filthy rats. So how do we get to a place where we are in the presence of the living God, the most holy God, and we are without guilt, we are without shame, we are pure, we are righteous. How do we attain that spotlessness before the eyes of the living God? The answer is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. What can wash away my sins? Nothing Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me me whole again? Nothing but the blood blood of Jesus. Oh, precious But the blood of Jesus. That's why it's important to answer the question 
Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? That is the question. In the blood, that is the question. In the soul, in the blood of the land, that is the question. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the why in 1st John 1 from verse 7, the word of God says in 1st John 1 from verse 7 that if <laughs> it's confusion if we are living in the light as God is in the light then we have what? Fellowship with each other and uh, the blood of Jesus his son Cleanses us from a few sins. For most, for most sins. From the easy sins. From the small, small sins. From all sin. I mean, and, and you see, and that is the beauty of, 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 of being a Christian. A Christian is a human being. That God has declared righteous. There's, there's no Christian that is perfect. And that's what sometimes confuses us and confuses the world. Because you're like, you're, you're a Christian. But you're not perfect. But should you be perfect? Of course you should be perfect. You should be on your, you see, when it comes to perfection, you see, that word perfection in scripture is mature. As in, you should be maturing. There are things that in, in, primary, in primary school, one plus one is two. It's okay. But when you're in secondary school, there are certain forms of arithmetic that you should be tackling. Not one plus one is two, but arithmetic is still arithmetic. Praise the name of the Lord. So when you're in secondary school and you're still doing one plus one is two, then that is what Paul would say should we continue in saying that grace should abound? Says God forbid. So the the the, 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 point, the point of the blood is not for us to be slaves to sin. It's for us to be free from sin. It's huge. So it says. That the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, some of you are like, oh, <laughs> pastor, you know, what are you talking about? I, I don't have sin. I don't have sin. If you say you don't have sin, put up your hand. So that we can pray for a sinner. A liar. I'm, I'm without sin. Put up your hand. Okay, okay. So let's say, for the, for the past three years, I have never sinned. Let's not say, let's not say for 20 years. Three years, I've been a Jew man. Righteous. Let me see. Okay, not two years, not two years. Okay, one year, just one year. I, I, I have not seen in the past one year. Zan, wait up. No. <laughs> Don't disappoint your pastor. Okay, three months, guys, three months. This morning, you still abuse your husband. <laughs> Yesterday, you still <laughs> lied to your children. You told them you came first in class. <laughs> all our parents, all of them came first. Liars. <laughs> Praise God. What am I saying? 
In fact, what is God's word saying? Verse 8 says, if we claim we have no sin, we what? <laughs> we what? We are fooling ourselves. And not living in the truth. So when we live in the truth, we acknowledge the fact that we need help. We are sinners in need of a savior. Praise the name of the Lord. He says, but if we confess our sins to him, is what? Is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from a few wickedness, from all wickedness, from all unrighteousness. So, um, and that is a present continuous thing. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. And Paul, uh, this is First John. He was writing to Christians. And there were three categories of Christian. If you read further, I think by, um, chapter 4, there are three categories. He talked about the fathers, he talked about the younger ones, and he talked about the, the children. So he was talking to a wide spectrum of believers. And he was saying to them, if we say we are without sin, we are calling God a liar. And showing that his word has no place in us. Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. Everyone that is born of a woman is born a sinner. When you come to Christ, what happens? What happens? Come on. Your sins are forgiven. So, once and for all, God saves you from the penalty of sin. From one level to the other, God saves you from the power of sin. Should I unpack that a little bit? Do you guys have some time? Encourage me now. Do you have some time? Yes, okay, good. Now, let me unpack it a little bit. So, so God saves you from the penalty of sin once and for all. What saves you? God saves you from the power of sin. While this is once and for all, it is on the level you are in. So you are in uh, primary school spiritually. You are doing your primary one. You are doing one plus one, two, two plus two, four. That's okay. If you look at the um, quadratic equation of your senior brother, does that happen to any of you? I used to get confused. I used to be afraid. I used to say, you mean I'm going to learn this thing? In, in, in primary, when I was in, 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 the, in the lower class, at that level, when I passed that level, I had power over one plus one. So I'm not looking at maybe multiplication, maybe division. When I passed that level, I had power over that. Then I'm not looking at maybe other forms of manipulations of, 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 of numbers. Do, do you get that? Praise God. Good. Because this is so fundamental. It's so fundamental. Then, number three, it delivers us from the pollution of sin on a daily basis. Regardless of the level you are in, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us, present continuous, from all sin. From all sin. So, Pastor, you're saying... Um, Okay, since we've established in this place that um, I said, if you don't have a sin, put up your hand. Nobody puts up, puts up their hand. And you, I'm sure you noticed pastor's hands was down too. So, so you're saying if, Christ, if a Christian dies today, um, since no one is without sin, right? If a Christian dies today, will he go to Heaven or hell? What's the answer to that? It goes to heaven. Because the question in heaven is not how good you are. 
The question in heaven is how good Christ is and are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you put your faith in Christ Jesus? That's the question in heaven. So, so, so pastor, isn't that a license for sin? No. No. Rather, it being a license for sin is actually freedom from sin. And let me explain how it is freedom from sin. When someone comes into Christ and we have, and the blood of Jesus, you have fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins, we have fellowship with the Father of light. Then, when you have fellowship with someone, what happens? The person rubs off on you. That's why over time, sometimes you see husband and wife that look differently. After some years, they begin to look alike a little bit. Have you noticed? Why? Because, you know, I know, because some people, you know, some things rub off. Even if they don't look alike physically, behaviorally. When we we first, I mean, got married, I was, I, I still am a nocturnal person. My eyes are wide open at 3, 12 midnight to 3 a.m. That is when I'm at my best. That's when I'm write best, pray best, think best. My wife sleeps, used to sleep at 8 p.m. I'm like, what kind of human being are you? I used to sleep at 8 p.m. But she wakes up early, like 5. She's up by 5. I'm just changing gear. We sleep. Fast forward today, 2 a.m., we are both awake. Somebody is dropping off for somebody. Somebody is... Same thing with God. When we have fellowship with God, we become a partaker of his divine nature. According to Second Peter, we become a partaker of his divine nature. What is God's divine nature? Holiness. Holiness. So they say if soap is, is, is stays long with, with leaves, the leaves becomes what? Becomes soap. So we, be, we, we become partakers of God's divine nature. So that means that we become partakers of his holiness. And that is actually... Where we can have freedom from sin. That's when we can begin to behave like God. So it is a misnomer for you to say you have intimacy with God. You, you, are, you know God and you, and you are so close to God, but you hate people. You can't forgive easily. You are still stealing from your office. You are still, I mean, and the list goes on. And, and you say you have fellowship with God. It does not matter. It doesn't add up. Praise the name of the Lord. However, however, if you stay on the outside, you say, oh, you confess that you are, you are, you are saved, but you are, you are ridden with guilt. You are trying to fulfill the law by your own strength. You will discover that you can never attain God's holiness. Because God's holiness can only flow from God. And we become partakers of it. And through that, it flows through us. So you cannot, it's like asking for you, you, want, you want the end, but you don't want to go through the process. What's the process? Come to Christ as you are. But he will not leave you the way you are. When we get to heaven, there are going to be three surprises. Three surprises, at least. At least. The first surprise when we get to heaven is... When you get there like this, boom, surprise, surprise, I'm here, heaven, 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 this heaven, street of gold. Ah, Michael, how are you? Peter, is this Peter? Where's David? David is there. Where's Baba God? Baba God. You are shocked. Why? Why are you shocked? Why would you be shocked? Why would you be shocked? Why would you be shocked? Because you know yourself. (laughs) You know yourself. You know, based on your own righteousness, you stand no chance. But based on the righteousness of Jesus, you have full access to heaven. And that is just the truth. That is the truth. 
So you are, you are shocked that you made it. You're like, ha, ah, but I didn't tie it last month. They say that can't stop you. Ah. And this is a lie to that guy. You see this thing? I'm not saying, am I saying you should be a liar? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you grow in God, lying will leave you. That is what I'm saying. But the point, the problem is that people don't want to, people are not growing in God and they want to stop lying by willpower. By, that's why they are so frustrated. And they say it is impossible to live for God because they're trying to do it by their, by their strength. So the first surprise in heaven is what? That I made it. Yeah. <laughs> She's surprised already. <laughs> the second surprise in heaven, listen, and this will shock you. That's why it's a surprise. It will still be a surprise. Let's say, Pastor, if you tell us it will be a surprise again, it will still be a surprise. When you get to heaven, you will still be surprised. Because of how perfect it is and how, how unworthy you are. Second surprise is. People you think are not in heaven, they will be there. I was saying, they tell themselves that maybe, maybe, maybe when you get to heaven, you just be hearing this sound from a distance. Pa 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 na 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 na. Ah, eh? Water. You don't get any. Ah, eh? Ah, Ah. Now, 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 now. How did he about me? How did he enter here? Now, now, listen. Did I say fella will be in heaven? That's not what I'm saying. Don't say, oh, Pastor told us that fella is in heaven. No. <laughs> Nobody knows who is in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that there are some people you have written off that God has not written off. And for some of us, it will be our husbands. You have written him up. You will see him in heaven. For some of us, it's our wives. For some of us, it's our cousins. That's the second surprise. How many did I say there will be? Three. The third surprise <laughs> is there are people that you think will be in heaven, but will not be in heaven. There are people that insist on establishing their own righteousness and not the righteousness of Christ. Or insisting on dying in sin and not coming under the covering of Jesus. But they, they, they say all the right things. They do all the right things. That's why you think they will be in heaven. But nothing but the blood of Jesus. I would say nothing but the blood. So we are still on righteousness. Let's pull up that scripture again. Uh, I tend to do a lot more in, at the 10 a.m. service. <laughs> okay, so um, if you go to verse 8, if we come without sin, we have no sin, we uh, deceive ourselves and treat it in verse 9, but if we confess our sins, is faithful. I was say faithful. faithful. Let's start with faithfulness. His faithfulness is this, that is a, if you read Hebrews 2, 17, is a faithful high priest. To his people. Jesus is a faithful high priest. He lives forever. Hebrews 7. He lives forever to make intercession for us. To plead for God's mercy for us. That's why in, in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Verse, Hebrews 4. Verse 14. Verse 14, he says, since we have a high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he was faced all, he was faced, he faced all of our, all the same testing we did, yet he did nothing. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God because of our high priest. Let's come boldly to the throne of our what? 
gracious cause. Because of the faithfulness of our high priest, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious cause. There we will receive what? Mercy. And we will find what? Grace. To do what? Help us when we need it most. When we need it most. So we are forgiven by his mercies. And because of the faithfulness of our high priest. Then he says, it's faithful and just. And just. The just bit is we are cleansed from our righteousness. His, his faithfulness as, and just to cleanse us from our righteousness. So, so what am I saying? Jesus is not just pleading for mercy when it comes to us. Jesus is not just pleading for mercy. Jesus is pleading for justice. And we say justice. Many times when we think justice, we think the sword. Yes, and that is justice. But for us, justice is not the sword. Justice is the sponge to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Why? It is unjust to punish the same sin twice. Jesus already received the full punishment of our sins on the cross of Calvary. Beautiful. Beautiful. Jesus already received it. He took it. So, the just there means he's saying to God, you have to be just with Femi. Look at me. I died for him. I paid the price. He deserves to die. Yes, he deserves to die. But look at my death and give him life. And we need to get that. So he's faithful and just. So we are forgiven because of his mercy and we are cleansed because of his justice. We are forgiven because of his mercy. We are cleansed because of his justice. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Beautiful. Beautiful thing. So, we see that the first thing is what? Righteousness. The second thing is what? Single-mindedness. And with single-mindedness, we need to look at single-mindedness in prayer. Then the other one is single-mindedness in obedience. But let's start with single-mindedness in prayer. Genesis 32, 22 to 26. There was a man called Jacob. He, he stayed with God. And he, he, he sent his children, his wives, ahead. And he stayed with God. He ha- was single-minded in prayer. And in verse 26, verse 26, it says, Then the man said to him, Let me go. He was wrestling with God, as it were. It is done. The dawn is breaking. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. So Jacob is saying, this is where my life is. This is where my life needs to be. And I need a blessing that will take me from where I am to where I ought to be. And he's so single-minded that he's saying, I am not going to let go, Lord. Until you bless me. Are you, are you single-minded in your, in your prayers? Do you start praying and you start being double-minded? If you want to take both steps towards God, you have to come with single-mindedness. Because a double-minded person, the scripture says, is unstable in all his ways. And cannot get anything from God. So, start praying. Trusting God for it. Stay there. I will not let you go until you bless me. So, well, okay, maybe, Pastor, maybe, uh, you know, maybe some of us, you know, I just meant to be taking Okada. Is your name written there? I will not let you go until you bless me. 
single-mindedness. In fact, someone said that I feel like prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Prayer is it's like the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. When you see the best you can do is not enough, go and face God in singleness of mind and build that bridge to the best that God can do for you. There's, a, there's an amazing story in Joshua chapter 10. Joshua and the Israelites were in war, were at battle with the Amorites. And on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, the scripture says, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. In front public prayer. He says, he said, let the stones stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. For so the sun stood still and the moon stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. And he said, not a thing like that has ever happened. Joshua did not pray silently. He prayed in front of a whole nation. He put his, his, his reputation on the line. He put his leadership on the line. He stood and he said, son, stand still. What if the son did not stand still? What if Joshua says, son, stand still? And the son, and you got, got to get that. What, what will happen to Joshua's reputation? When you are single-minded, you don't care about your reputation. When you are single-minded, you don't care about how you look in front of people. When you are single-minded and you want something from God, it doesn't matter what your neighbor says. When you are single-minded. And, and that is so powerful. Elijah <laughs> stood before Hei and said, There shall be no rain in this land except at my words. And, I, and I'm saying it before the Lord whom I stand. And there was no rain until Elijah called back the rain. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that God will give you the singleness of mind to stay and take the step towards heaven. The step that will shock your generation. Singleness of mind. So, so, in other words, what I'm saying is that prayer is the difference between fighting for God like Joshua was and God fighting for you like when God caused the sun to stand still. That is prayer. That is prayer. Singleness of mind in prayer. God says double-minded people cannot get anything from God. Don't come to God Double-minded. Don't come to God double-minded. Singleness of heart. This is what you want from God. That is what you are going to get. You are not going to back down until heaven yields. You are not going to back down until heaven yields. You are going to stay there until heaven yields. Will heaven yield? When will heaven yield? All that one is not important. Heaven will yield. Because God, a, a broken heart... God will not despise. A bruised reed, he will not cast away. A smoking flax, he will not put out. God cannot ignore such steadfastness. It's impossible. So God is saying, get rid of double-mindedness in your prayers. Get rid of it. So we see that we should be single-minded. That's number two. And the first thing under that is single-minded in prayer. And we said the second thing is single-mindedness in obedience. Single-mindedness in obedience. Single-mindedness in obedience. God has said you should do this. That's what you're going to do. Folks live ordinary lives. Why? Because they are not obedient. People like to play it safe. Because They are not obedient. But you see, you can't do the two. You can't be the best that God asks for you. The best life. You can't live the best that God asks for you. 
and playing safe at the same time. You, you have to choose one. Am I going to play safe or am I going to be what God has called me to be? That's the question you have to answer. Can, we can play it safe or we can live the best life God has for us. The truth is that we can't have the two. We can't have the two. So what sacrifice is required of you? What's it going to be? Many times, we are afraid of the pain, of the price of the sacrifice. We, are, we, we, we contemplate, oh, it's going to cost this much. It's going to cost me this much. Oh, prayer is going to cost me this much. Fasting is going to cost me this much. Or whatever God wants me to do, it's going to cost me this much. For some of us, we need to begin to serve. I mean, we are like, oh, it's going to cost me my time. Oh, for some of us, we need to do things for God. Oh, it's going to cost me this. It's going to cost me that. So, listen. If you're not ready to sacrifice in obedience, the truth is that you're not ready to be used of God. If you're not ready to sacrifice in obedience for your destiny, you're not ready to fulfill that destiny. You're not. You're not. You're not. Why? Because the earth is governed by sacrifice. The earth yield to sacrifice. The, the earth yields to sacrifice. Where you are today is based on the sacrifices you made yesterday. Where you will be tomorrow is going to be based on the sacrifices you are making today. You can already tell how your tomorrow will be. I need a prophet. You don't need a prophet. No, you don't. You already know what's going to happen. Keep sleeping. You already know what's going to happen. But you, you are not sleeping, are you? You're working hard. So you already know what's going to happen. You're going to be great and wealthy. Say amen, say amen, say amen. It is so important. So, the question for you is that what are you sacrificing today that most people won't sacrifice so that you can live tomorrow as few will actually live? What are you sacrificing that most won't so you can live as few will? What are you sacrificing? If you can't answer that question, if you cannot answer that question, it means that you are currently living a mediocre life, an average life. And tomorrow is going to be as average. But your life will not be mediocre in Jesus' name. Your life will not be average. So the question is, what does God require of you today to sacrifice? That is not common. So that tomorrow you can live a life that is not common. People see people, uh, folks living lives that is not common, and they're like, oh, he's just lucky. Oh, you know. Oh, no, 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 for some, for some people, God has told you, take ten steps. Ten. What does ten mean? Ten. You take three. You say, ah, I have tried. God sees my heart. I have tried. Yes, it does. It sees your heart. It's called 3 over 10. 30%. But don't you want to get 100%? 10 over 10? So if God says 10 steps, so how many should you take? For some of us, we need to start a business. God has told you, start this business so you can feed the poor. You are not hungry, but I want you to start this business so you can have more to give up. Then you, then you don't do it. For some of us, God, God is saying to you, you need to start a life group. You need to start a house fellowship. Let my people come into your house and pray so that my presence will intensify in your life. You say, no. They will inconvenient me. My rug is uh, from Turkey. I don't want anybody matching it anyhow. God, we just look at you. So, what is that next step? For some of us, it's a tithing. It's, it's a tithing. 
Yet for others, it's another form of giving. Maybe you need to help people. You know, when I first um, started really hearing God, you know, um, in, intensely, um, what a lot of the time, God will always tell me, give this, give that, give this, give that. Ah, ah. After a while, I say, is the only gift that God can't say? You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I was saying to myself, not to him. You know, obviously he didn't hear me, so he just. <laughs> so uh, why is he? Ah, give this. Guy. I remember an occasion when uh, I was in Bagada, and God said to me, "Take this amount and go and give this family in Surule." I don't have the amount that, I mean, one of those times that you are happy. When God says you should give something, and you are happy you don't have it. Because after all, you cannot give what you know. <laughs> you have given everything. So, he says you give that amount. I said, ah, I don't have it. You know your boy. I would have given uh, <laughs> You see, when God says you should give something, he already knows you have it. So right there and then, my mind just flashed to one shoe. I had this shoe, suede. I can never forget. I still see the shoe. My best shoes. You know? <laughs> I was like, I didn't hear anybody. He didn't tell me. He didn't say anything, no. My mind just went there. I just knew. Ah. I need to sell these shoes to give them the money. So, took the shoes, got to Jolegba, and, you know, I was, Selling shoes. Someone told me that, oh, that your pastor, he used to sell shoes at the Jolegba. <laughs> I did. I sold one pair of shoes at the Jolegba. I was like, who wants to buy shoes? Who wants to buy It was very awkward. I mean, <laughs> some people were just looking at me. But I was like, but miraculously, God brought a buyer. And I can't remember what he paid for it, you know. But obviously, I had the money for. So I went to Larry. Masha got to the house, knocked on the gate. These people, they own their house. So. And I got in, and I said to the man, well, I'm sorry, this may sound very funny, but God says I should give you this. And he looked at it, and he, was, he called his wife, and he told his wife, and the woman started crying. They had a newborn baby. They didn't know how to feed the baby. Obviously, they needed to get some things for the baby. And that was the money that they needed to feed the baby. And she was crying. And I was like, I had to go because the man does not cry. So I was, like, <laughs> I was about to cry. You know, so I left the place. Now the point, my point is this. People that own their own house. Me, there's only one shoe that I own. One pair of shoes. And God said, I should sell it and give them. Your obedience is about your destiny, not somebody else's destiny. He has... He has nothing to do with... Oh, why didn't they sell one of their chairs and feed, feed the baby? Why did they... I mean, those, I mean, those are... Because they are chairs. They have, I'm sure they have shoes. Why is it my own shoe... My wall and only and so it was me God needed to bless. So it was me that needed to sacrifice. Ah. It's huge. It's huge. If you think and you're comparing yourself, people ah, they don't need the money. You are robbing yourself. You that needs the blessing. John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verse 5. He says, His mother told the servants, the mother of Jesus said to them, Do whatever he tells you. Just do whatever he tells you. Spiritual things don't respect formula. Just do whatever he tells you. It's logical formula if it doesn't apply. Spiritual things 
are not subject to people's preferences. If you pay the price, you will be unstoppable. Spiritual, the spiritual only responds to sacrifice. The spiritual does not respond to preferences. For instance, you have a boss that has said you will not be promoted. And you are going around, you are crying. My boss does not like me. That's why I have not been promoted. You are deceiving yourself. He has nothing to do with your boss. Nothing. If you pay the price for your promotion, your boss cannot stop it. If he needs to lose his head, he will lose his head. Well, take your eyes off people that are doing you. Oh, Pastor, this person wants to do me jamba. (laughs) No. No one can actually stop you. The only person that can stop you is yourself. Before you say it's God. God is on your side. He doesn't want to stop you. The only person that can stop you is yourself. He says you are the general of your life. You are the general of your life. You are the general of your life. The only person that can stop you. If you pay the price, when the price is fully paid, heaven releases the rain. When the clouds are loaded, heaven, nothing stops it. Nothing stops it. The reason you are not seeing it is the price has not gauged. You see, when you understand that that is the principle that your life is built on, you, you, you know that no one, there's no witch in the village that can stop it. If the, if the, if the witch insists, the witch will die. Why are you so confident? Let them try it. <laughs> now listen, it's because you are powerful. No, 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 no. I'm just an ordinary child of God that is teaching you what God is saying. Do you understand? Extraordinary in God. Ordinary in human. Extraordinary in God. If you pay the price, it will release everything that is outstanding. If you pay the price, will you pay the price? Or will you keep complaining? Will you keep whining? Or will you pay the price? Classic story in Genesis 22. Abraham, as we pull the curtain here, Abraham had God, heard God say to him, take your son, your only son, your only son, the one you love, Isaac, and go and sacrifice him to me. The next morning, immediately, Abraham called the boy and took him and did what God said. I'll, I'll come back to the story. But the key thing is, by the time we get to verse 16, God said concerning Abraham, after he had obeyed fully, God said in verse 16, he says, because you have obeyed me, and have not withheld even your son, your only son from me. He says, I swear by my name. God is doing like this. I can't, there's nothing behind. Because I'm the highest, there's, no, there's nowhere on top. So, I swear by myself. In blessing, I will bless you. In, in multiplying, I will multiply your descendants. God is saying, you will be unstoppable, Abraham. While God loves us equally, God does not trust us equally. There are certain things that God has demanded from certain people and they have given it and it, God say, I can trust for me. I can trust that guy. I can trust. There are certain things God is demanding from other people. They are not giving it. God does not trust them. I love him, but I don't trust him. That one, ah. Uh, if you give him that level of wealth, you will begin to behave like a rascal. But not you. God will trust you. Because you will yield to God. And that is so huge. It's huge. So Abraham, you know, <laughs> heard God and started on his journey. He left home. I'm, I'm, it's, it's an illustration. I mean, Pastor Damien has used this illustration before. If you remember, for those of us that, that do remember, so I, I'm free to use it. I'm my husband. So 
That's why they say that what? As like the Bible says that the husband is the head of his own wife. In case you don't know. What does that mean? If she has an illustration, it's my own. <laughs> so I'm going to use that illustration today. Praise God. Okay, so Abraham started off on a journey with his servant and his, and his son and the wood and he carried fire. They got, and they got to the foot of the hill and he said to the servant, you stay here. Myself and the boy, we are going to sacrifice. The servants dare not question. They kept quiet. But a son can always ask questions. So that's big. It's huge. So the son asked the father. When they progressed, before they got to the top of the mountain, the son asked the father, after they've left the servants behind, that dad, I see the wood. I see the fire. Where is the sacrifice? Have you forgotten it? I didn't want to ask you in front of them, so I don't embarrass you. You know, you're my dad. You taught me the principle of altars. In altar building, you need the wood, the foil, you need the fire. And you need the offering, the sacrifice. The sacrifice is missing, Dad. And Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. <sighs> they got to the top of the mountain. Abraham, they put together the altar. Now, scholars put the age of, some scholars put the age of Isaac to 17. Some says 25. So you could say it's 17, a teenager, 17. It's probably taller than his mom and dad, right? Or 25. Definitely stronger and faster, right? Good. And Abraham said to Isaac, get on the altar. Put your hands together. He tied him. Blindfolded him. Put your legs together. And Isaac did not run. Think about your own son today. <laughs> it's good to talk about the sacrifice of Abraham, and it's important and it's big. It's a lesson to us. But the sacrifice of Isaac is huge. This old man wants to kill me. But he obeyed. Even though he was about to be slaughtered. Many times, we think God is about to kill us, but God is about to multiply us. He's about to multiply us. The things we are going through are so painful that we are like, everybody else, how come my own is like this? It's because your destiny is different and glorious. Stay on the altar. Stay on the altar. So Isaac stood there. And Abraham, the scripture says, raised his hand to sacrifice the boy. And as he raised his hand, God said, You know, Abraham did not say, Hey, God, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> he didn't do that. He was actually going to strike the boy because Hebrews. Tells us, the book of Hebrews tells us, chapter what, 11? Hebrews tells us that Abraham reckoned that God was able to raise him back from the dead. <laughs> so Abraham knew that even if I kill him, he has said, in Isaac shall your seed be. His word cannot fail. So, so even if I sacrifice him, he will resurrect him. He was in the Old Testament and he knew about the resurrection power of the New Testament. Unbelievable. A friend of God. They say he is. 
And God says, no. Now I know you love me. Now I know you fear me. Now, now I can trust you with more. You see, we think that God just trusts people. You think God just trusts people with things, with power, with stuff. No, 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 no. God loves everybody, doesn't trust everybody. So people, if, if he annoys you, you will kill your wife. You say, if I be a prophet, <laughs> fire! <laughs> now, now, interestingly, what, the, the, the intriguing thing about it is that fire will actually come. It will. Check scripture. Every time a man of God makes a pronouncement, being angry, it happens. Every single time. You can argue if they were right or wrong. It's to their master. Hmm? They stand or fall. But every single time. Many of us will have killed our own children. Our own children. <laughs> you are falling, you are running. Cripple! trust Abraham and God could trust Isaac but you see the beauty of this is when they were here from a pictorial standpoint the ram was there when they came higher the ram was here the distance shortened when they were here, the ram were here. When they were here, about to make the sacrifice, the ram was just here. And God says, no, I've provided myself a sacrifice. I've provided myself a sacrifice. The challenge is that we don't see what's on the other side of the mountain. We are, we are, God is demanding for us to climb the mountain and to, to go for the sacrifice. And we get here. Sometimes we, 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 we turn back. And God is like, but the solution was just there. Some people get here and they turn back. Some people actually get here. Oh, boy, come! I did. I I told you that God will provide Himself a sacrifice. We didn't say anything. Let's be going. Some actually got that close, but Abraham paid the price, the full price. In his heart, that boy was gone. What am I saying? God still meets obedient people on the top of the mountain. God still meets obedient people at the top of the mountain. What is it going to be this morning, my brother, my sister? What is it going to be? Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. What is it going to be? I want you to think about it. Are you about to turn back from the journey on the mountain? No, 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 don't turn back. Don't turn back. What is it going to be today? What is it going to be? If you're here like, like, like pastor, finally, I, underst- I, I now understand the righteousness of God. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I'll pray with you wherever you're seated. Oh, you're like a pastor. I used to, I, that picture of somebody turning back from the mountain, that was me. I used to follow God, but I've gone back. Can I come also? Yes, you can. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I'll pray with you wherever you're seated. That is me, pastor. Pray with me. Pull up your hand now over your head. I will pray together. Quickly, pull up your hand. Pull up your hand over your head. Over your head. Shoot it up. Hi. God bless you. If I put it up over your head, not on your head, on your head. Over. Shoot up your hand. I'll pray together. Don't be bashful. Don't be bashful. Don't be, don't be scared. Just put it up. 
Okay, point it up. God bless you. There's, I think there's a hand there, right in the middle. God bless you. There's, a, there's another hand there. God bless you. Yeah. Just even if you point it up, chin-chin like this, we will see you. We will see you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? That is me. God bless you. In that corner, is that hand up? At that corner? If you're online, the instructions are scrolling on the screen. I will pray together. The rest of us, I want you to talk to God. What is upon your heart based on what you have heard today? Talk to God. Talk to God. Oh, Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today. Some are coming and new. They're taking a fresh step. Some are rededicating, oh God of heaven. Lord, embrace them and receive them. Change these lives and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you, Father. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's pray together for the Lord, for his goodness and his mercies.